do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a promise. God said, I've commanded you this, that you're not, you're not to be afraid or discouraged, but you're to be strong and courageous. Because your God and my God goes before us. He comes behind us. He's all around us. Our God is there. Our God is strong enough today to help you defeat your giant. Not your neighbor's giant. Not your relative's giant. Not your church's giant. Not your country's giant. Not the world's giant. Your giant. See, that's what you've been called to do and I've been called to do is to defeat our giant. Amen. Be strong and courageous. For our God goes with us wherever we go. God, today we are thankful for this promise. We are thankful, Lord, to know that we don't have to walk around with our heads bowed, our posture slumped, our words quickened, our spirit beat down. We don't have to do that, Lord, because we are yours. We belong to the King of all kings. We belong to the maker of heaven and earth, the God of all the universe. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And because of that, no matter what giant is standing in front of each one of us today, we can pick our head up and we can look unto the heavens whence comes our strength. We can stand straight and straight upon His Word and know that our God reigns. And because He reigns, we will and are victorious. No weapon formed against us, you tell us, God, shall prosper against us. And if no weapon will prosper against us, then it makes perfectly good sense, God, that no giant shall prosper against us. Nothing shall stand between us and our God. And so, Father, today, as we collectively come together as a body of believers, as we come together and stand in unison today, as warriors in the kingdom of God, whatever giants that followed us into this building today, they will be defeated before we leave this building today. Because greater is you, God, who is in each one of us than the giants that is in this world. So, Father, today, 
I pray that you would make yourself larger than any giant that's presented itself today before each one of your children. I pray, God, that your vast, powerful presence would cause these giants to crumble in the shadow of your grace. God, grant it today. Grant it today, Lord, in Jesus' name. You've called us, Lord, to be victorious in you. In fact, you proclaimed in your word this truth. To whom the Son has set free, they are free indeed. The ball and the chain that connected us to the giants has been separated by the chain breaker in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no giant shall stand between us and you, God. Father, today, may you be glorified and may you be honored in this place. Father, may you receive all the praise and all the honor. And if there's anything that is said that is good that came out of this service today, let there be praise unto you, God, from whom all good gifts come. For if it's good, it's not of us. It is of you, God. And to you be the glory and the praise forevermore. In Jesus' matchless and powerful and exalted name, all God's warriors said, Amen, 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 amen. 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 Yes, give him praise in the house. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. We'll dismiss our young folks. Listen, if you're here today and you went to Winter Jam, amen, we know how to worship. Is that right? We know how to worship. And if these folks can be here that we're at Winter Jam and get excited about God, all of us should be able to. Because I think we rolled up in the bed somewhere around 1.30 this morning. By the time I got in the bed, so I know it's about the time everybody else did. And that alarm clock went off real early, but we had a good time with the Lord. Amen. We really, really did. I know they had a great time at Foundations as well. Had 35 people at Foundations. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Would have had about 43 if all of us jamming at Jam Nation would have been there. But they was jamming here at Gethsemane Church. So uh, I just, uh, just thank God for all that God's doing in our church today for sure. Defeat your giant. I want to ask you a question today, if you would do this for me. I know, you know, in most Pentecostal churches, you know, it's kind of like popcorn church, right? We're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. Is that right? Not just physically, but spiritually too. There's roller coasters, right, that we're crescendoing and decrescendoing. Can I get a witness, music people? Yes, I did that well. Some of y'all didn't know what I was talking about. Some of y'all just thought I said a bad word. I did not. That is musical terms, right? So crescendoing is we're taking it up and decrescendoing is we're coming down. But I want to ask you this question. So if you're here today and there is a giant in your life, I want you to stand. I'm standing. A giant in your life. Now a giant, let me explain that to you so some of y'all are thinking, I don't know if I should stand or not. I don't know any literal giants in my life. 
giant is anything that stands before you and defies you moving forward. Amen? And defies you being victorious over whatever it is you're trying to conquer. A giant is that thing which stands before you and the goal that is set before you. Amen? That's what a giant is. It's not just size and stature. It's the bully that stands in front of you and continues to haunt you on a day-to-day basis. Amen? You with me? Some of us may have multiple giants. Remember, that's why I believe David had several rocks. He knew there was more than one giant. He knew he had brothers. Right? So we got to be prepared for those giants. So I want to ask you again, if you have a giant in this place that is attacking you right now, whatever it may be, stand with us just a second. I'm going to give you another chance. Anybody else? Well, today, you don't have to carry that back out with you, right? Because God is able to conquer the giant that's in your life. Amen? Amen? But let me just say it this way. He's going to do it through you. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you can't do it for me. Amen? You can be seated. You can't, you can't do it. I can't do it. Right? We got to do it ourselves. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But God here in His Word in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 was encouraging Joshua who had, you know, it wasn't long here before he took over for Moses. Daunting tasks set before Joshua, leading millions of people into the promised land. That is a daunting task. That is a giant. If you ever tried to herd two or three chickens, imagine millions of people, right? And we all got different thoughts and ideas about things. So this was a pretty big task for Joshua. And God understood there was going to be some bloodshed. There was going to be some battles, right? It's not always easy like Hollywood makes it out to be. Battles are difficult. Battles sometimes can be hard. Battles sometimes have casualties, right? Sometimes there's things that you're going to lose. But if we don't take our eyes off God, we will be victorious, that's for sure. So here, God is, he is encouraging Joshua here to be strong and to be courageous. This walk that we call the Christian walk is not for the faint of heart. Amen? Amen. See, Christians, contrary to belief, are not a bunch of weenies. We're not. You've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous if you're going to be a child of God. I mean, you ain't just... I'm not talking about looked apart. You know, there's some guys that got on them schmedium shirts. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, they wash that thing and dry it six times before they put it on. I don't have that problem. I just put one on. But these, I'm not talking about guys, right, that are cut and built, right? You see them in these big, powerful shirts on that have great stay, sayings on it, right, about you can be victorious and slay your giants and all these things, right? They look the part, but it's not about how you look on the outside. It's about how you look on the inside, Amen. right? It's about, it's, this is, the, this is the, not just the content, content, rather, of who you are on the outside, but as Martin Luther King Jr. said, it's the content of the heart, right? What's inside of us, not what's on the outside, That's what God's looking for. See, remember, he used David. We're going to talk about David in a minute. He used a little boy to conquer this great big giant. And none of us would think that that little fella could handle that situation. But I want you to know today that David was the only one for that situation. Nobody else in the kingdom of God was raised up to defeat Goliath but this little boy, David. This was a giant that David had to face in order for him to move forward and, and be victorious in God and to, and to accomplish all that God had for him in his life. He couldn't look back at his brothers or look back at Saul or anybody else and say, hey, one of you guys that's bigger than me, can you handle this situation? It was not for them. 
it was for David. And there's a, real, a little glimpse that God gives us when Saul tries to put his armor on David. And David said what? He had to take it off because he said he hadn't proved it. He has not used that armor before. It did not fit him. It was too big for him. It was not what God sent him there with. Right? So no matter what anybody does, they can't fight your giant. You and only you are raised up to beat that giant that's in your life. If you're waiting on somebody else to do it, it's not going to happen. See, here's what I learned long ago in sports. You know the secret to winning in sports, right? It's, it's not just about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's, amen? It's about the people that are, uh, that are part of a team. And when teams are victorious, here's what happens. Each person wins their battle, amen? Each one of us win our battle. The problem with teams today is everybody wants to be the superstar and everybody wants to watch everybody else and everybody wants a spotlight on them and they want everybody else to do their job, including their job, that they might be seen. The problem with that in most cases is if I'm not, if I'm not defeating the person in front of me, then the team's more likely not going to win, right? Because each battle has to be won. I'm reminded of Michael Jordan, great basketball player in my mind, the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. In Mark's mind, there's a big debate about that. At least in my generation, he's the best I've ever seen. But I remember when Michael Jordan first came into the NBA, he was scoring 60, 50, 60, 70 points a game. And everybody was blown away by that. But yet they were losing. They were losing just about all the time. I mean, they were not good at all. Michael Jordan had a stellar day, but the team lost. And so they didn't win NBA titles the first few years that Michael Jordan was with the Chicago Bulls. It was only later when they began to add other people, and then those people did what they were supposed to do, and Michael Jordan done the things that he did. He was not only a scoring leader, but he also was a defensive leader. He won defensive MVP several times. He began to understand that it's not just about Michael Jordan, it's about team. Amen. And each one of us have to win our battle. If you're not each one winning your battle, you're not going to win too many games. I was told that often by my high school football coaches, they would scream that in my ear. They would say, Mark, just beat your man. Is that right? Just beat your man. Look at the person beside you, unless it's your husband, and say, beat your man. <laughs> you ladies shouldn't say that to your husband. Say it to somebody else. <laughs> right? Beat your man. It's important for us to beat our man, right? To beat the giant that's in your life in order for us to conquer what's in front of us. Each one of us have a giant that we have to face, and each one of us have to beat that particular thing that's in our lives in order for ourselves to be victorious, but also our churches. Remember, we were talking about revival here a couple of weeks ago, and we said revival begins with me. Why do we say that? Because I have giants that I've got to defeat in my life, and if I get my life where it needs to be, if I defeat the giants that are in my life, now I am set free and now I can do what God wants me to do and I'm free to worship Him. And if all of us would defeat the giants in our lives, then's where you have that one mind and one accord that the Bible speaks of because none of us now are preoccupied by the giants that are beside us or in front of us. Amen. Now the only standing in front of thing standing in front of us is Christ. Amen? We are free now to worship because we don't have the burden of the giant sitting on our shoulders. Is that right? It's why sometimes in church services you see little pockets of praise happening, right? 
Somebody beat some giants when you see that, right? Somebody has gotten set free. Somebody has experienced, right, that freedom that comes along with defeating giants. And that's why we see it sometimes in church. But imagine that with all of us defeating giants and all of us now can focus on God. Wonderful things start to take place when that happens. Amen? So let's take a look here in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 1. I want to remind you, you are the only one that has been raised up for a time such as this. God raised you up to defeat the giant in your life. Have you ever questioned God? God, why is this happening to me? You ever said that? God, why must I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? God, why am I the one that you're allowing this to take place in my life? Why am I the one that has to carry this burden? Such and such over there probably could carry it better than me. Or brother, such and such over here could carry it better than me. That person's a better Christian than I am. They're stronger than I am. Why didn't you put this on them? Because it wasn't their giant to deal with. Amen? Amen. It was my giant and your giant. The giants that are in your life were intended for you to have to face and to defeat. It's part of the journey. Amen? It's part of the journey. And you have... You have the plans. You have the battle plans. You know what you need to know about that enemy. You just got to tap into it. You got to ask God to show it to you, right? You got to pray about it. You got to seek him. David had the battle plans from the time of his birth. God had the answers for him, but he had to get in tune with God in order to get them. So remember that as we look into this today. You and I alone are the only ones that can defeat the giant that's in your life. And God intended for you to be the one to face that giant because he prepared you to do so and he equipped each one of us to do it. All those mighty men that stood that day on the hillside with the children of Israel, all those guys that looked like they were warriors, all those fellows that had been in fight after fight, battle after battle, right? All the guys that had all the equipment, all the folks that had everything they needed were not a match for Goliath. If any other man or woman would have stepped out there that day and stood before Goliath and dared to defy him, would have lost their life greatly. And the children of Israel probably would have suffered great loss because it was not their giant to face. It was David's. David was raised up for that moment. Amen? That's hard for us to understand sometimes. When you think about a tragedy in your life, you think about a giant that's in your life, you think to yourself, God, why did this happen to me? Because He chose you to carry that burden. He chose you to be the one to carry the light and to defeat that giant that other people might see and be encouraged. With David, when David defeated Goliath, what did it do to the rest of the Israeli army? What did it do? It encouraged them, did it not? As soon as they saw David do that, and he held that giant's head up, right, and he, and he said what he said to the Philistines, and he started taking off that way, what happened? It, it, the, the, the children of God began to run. They ran from, from that side of the mountain where they had been cowering down, and they chased the Philistines off. Yeah. Amen? But only David could have done that. And victory not only came to David, but to the children of Israel as well. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 through 11 and 
skip over to 25, 26, and then 48 through 51. The Bible declares in chapter 17, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shekoch, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shekoch and Azkah in whatever. Evesdeem. Forgive me, Lord, if I cussed. <laughs> and, I don't know if I did or not. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. So the first thing we see here is the enemy, your giant that's in front of you right now, is prepared. That giant has been, prepa has been preparing. The giant that's in your life is not approaching you haphazardly. That giant is not coming at you half ready. That giant is coming. If that giant has presented itself to you, it has presented itself to you in all of its fury. It is ready. It has studied you up. It has, it has, it has known your tendencies. There has been a battle plan drawn up how to defeat you. Amen? We're not wrestling against some weak opponent. Amen. We're not wrestling against some opponent that is not going to come at you unprepared. They are coming at you. This giant that's in your life has been preparing for quite some time to present themselves before you. Goliath, long before he stood out on that mountaintop, on that hillside, was preparing for what he was going to say and what he was going to do if anybody moved from the children of Israel. I assure you, he was ready. What does it teach us? If the enemy is ready, and if that giant is bold enough to stand in front of a child of God, you better take it serious. Amen? Take it serious and be prepared. In verse 3, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. Remember I told you he was prepared. He was a champion. This is not somebody that was untested. This was not somebody that was a novice. He was a champion. Been there, done that. His name was Goliath of Goth, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was said to be, depending on who you talk to, somewhere between eight and ten feet tall. He had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. You think he was prepared? Doesn't seem to me like this giant stepped out there unprepared. He didn't step out there taking, taking advantage or, of, of the situation that was in front of him. He didn't go half ready. He was completely ready. He had no idea what was going to come out of the children of Israel. He didn't know how big of a person. He didn't know how strong of a person. He didn't know how skilled of a person it was. So he made sure that he was ready for whatever came out of the children of Israel. Here's what I want you to see today. If this giant that's in your life is bold enough to come out and present himself to you, he's also bold enough to defy everybody that is associated with you. Amen? He's letting everybody in your family see how you handle the situation. 
right? This man didn't just step out there and say, send me David. He said, send me anybody. Is that right? Anybody. It does not matter. When David stood out there, he wasn't worried about David. He wanted him to know he was going to kill David and everybody else out there. See, this is the thing. This giant plays on our, on our pride or our fear or whatever you want to call it, right? And he stands there and just threatens us. And then we, do, we, we cower down or we just back away or we do whatever we're going to do thinking, well, I'll, I'll come back another day. Not, not realizing the effect that that has on those surrounding us. All eyes are on you. All eyes are on me. If there's a giant in your life, chances are somebody close to you knows that you're going through that situation. Somebody close to you, a bunch of somebodies, have seen you walk through that valley. They know what's happening in your life. And they're watching you and they're watching me. And when we stand out there and the giant stands in front of us and presents itself as, as, as Goliath did on a daily basis, every day he would stand out there and just defy the armies of the living God. And that whole Israeli army stood there and watched and everybody else in the world, who might, whoever might have been around there, just to see what was going to happen. And what do you think they thought day after day, time after time, when the giant presented itself and the children of Israel just cowered down? What do you think it did to the rest of the people associated with them? Yeah. Right? It's devastating. Because they see, they're watching us. They want to see how you're going to handle this giant because they got giants too. And they want to see how we handle it. And sometimes these giants come at us and we back down and not only are we affected, but all those around us. Amen? We've got to stand our ground. Remember, your giant's the only one, you're the only one that's designed to face your giant. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. I know you missed that hour of sleep. In verse 8, the Bible says, And he, speaking of Goliath, stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And you servants of Saul, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. Giants that are in your life are pretty uh, bold. He cried unto the people of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out here to set your battle in array? Why have you even made the effort to stand in front of me if you ain't going to do nothing? Amen? Huh? You ever heard anybody tell you that when you was in school? I can remember at least when I was in school. See, we didn't shoot and stab each other. We just fought. Seriously, we didn't do those things. If you had a problem with somebody, you just took it out back or in the hall or wherever you was at. Right? But inevitably, somebody was going to say, why are you even over here? I know you're scared. Or they say, scared. Right? Why'd you even show up if you ain't going to do nothing? If you're going to just stand there. Isn't that right? You, you've probably, if you hadn't been in that situation, you've probably seen it. Where somebody shows up, right? They just feel like, well, gosh, I can't not show up. Everybody will think I'm a coward. But they really didn't want to be there. Right? And the old bully's on that side. And he's saying, why'd you even come if you ain't going to do nothing? Right? And then they would just flinch at him like that, right? You know, and then the other guy would go... Oh, we do the old boxing thing, right? You get, it, get your hands up. <laughs> My daddy used to say it like this. One of them's scared and the other's glad of it. <laughs> Neither one of them really wanted to fight. So he says to them, 
Why did you even, why are you even here? Why? And he says, am I not a Philistine and you servants of Saul? We're enemies. I'm standing here. What you going to do about it? And then he says, choose you a man and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. Little did Goliath know, and little does the giant that's facing you right now know, they're already defeated. Amen? Amen? There's no such thing as if I defeat you, right, that you're going to be my servants. If you're a child of God, you should not lose that battle. There's no way... A child of God should be defeated against any giant that's in their lives. No way. There's no possible way a child of God should ever be defeated in any situation that arises. Preacher, you just don't know what I'm facing. I may not know what you're facing, but I know what the Bible says. Right? He says that, that we are more than conquerors in Him through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what he said. We're more than conquerors. You're not just a conqueror. The Bible says you are more than just a conqueror. You're more than conquerors. Right? You have more than enough to defeat the giant that's in your life. Y'all with me? You got more than enough in you to defeat the giant that's in front of you. Or that's sitting on your shoulders or that's tagging along behind you, that's chirping in your ear. Whatever it is that's coming against you, you have more than enough in you to defeat him. That's right. Because I quoted you a scripture earlier, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Who is he? Jesus. Is that right? And there's none greater than him. The Bible says that all things are subject unto him. All things. Is that right? You with me? More than a conqueror. Little did this giant know that he was already defeated. See, Here's the thing that you got and I got in my corner and you got it. We, we both have in our corners. Jesus said it's finished, right? It's already been done. It's been taken care of. We, we know that, but sometimes we forget it. We forget it and we panic. And rather than standing firm and facing the giant, we panic. We forget that we're already victorious. The Bible says in verse 11, When Saul and all of Israel heard the words of this Philistine... They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, I'm going to read that one more time for you. I want you to really underline something for me. When Saul and all of Israel, underline all of Israel if you've got your Bible. Highlight it on your app if you've got an app. Don't write on the board behind me because we have to get it off the wall. When Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You can underline that too. Are you kidding me? Huh? I mean, seriously. Think about that just a minute. When, when Saul and all the children of Israel heard this one giant say, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to utterly destroy you. I'm going to make a laughing stock out of you and all the world is going to see your fall. And great is your fall going to be. Right? He just threatened them. 
And it says that the children of Israel, the ones that the Bible says these are God's chosen people. Is that right? Now look, I want to remind you of something. This was not the first time that God was fixing to do something great in the children of Israel's lives. A lot of the people in the camp of the children of Israel had witnessed God do amazing things just prior to this time. I mean, they had seen God do marvelous things, wiping out armies and splitting seas and all kinds of stuff, right? They were taking place that God had done in the past. He'd done marvelous things. These weren't novice. They knew that God was the only one that could do it. They know that God answered their prayers. They saw God do miracles after miracle after miracle, defeat army after army after army, right? Defeat giant after giant after giant. This was not their first time. But it said all of the children of Israel, all of them were afraid. They were dismayed and afraid. The church of today, at least in the Western world, appears to me that we are paralyzed under the fear of the enemy. We are paralyzed under the fear of standing firm on what the Bible teaches us. We are scared to face the giants of abortion, homosexuality, drugs, and alcohol, and, 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 and premature, premarital sex, and, and killing, and, and, and gambling, and all the stuff you want to put in there. We're afraid and dismayed to stand and watch our God do great things because we've been threatened by these giants called the world, called our government, called television producers, called movie producers, called whatever you want to call it. We are threatened. We're also threatened by other churches saying, you guys got it wrong. Y'all need to join us and let all that stuff just start happening. Right? We're fearful of standing firm because we don't want to be sued and lose everything we got. We are fearful because we don't want our names all over the news. We're fearful because of what some of our family members might say. Amen? Amen. Giants. And the church in America is paralyzed. You You can take, at least in Mark's mind and place the church, the western church, the church of America, on this hillside, and it would be the same. Amen? Amen? Amen. It would be. But I want to also tell you something that I really believe. History repeats itself, does it not? Is that right? Solomon once penned, there's no new thing under the sun. God will always rise up a champion. God will always have somebody that's willing to stand, amen, and be accounted. I'm reminded of the words of this little boy. He said, is there not a cause? That's what David said. Is there not a cause? The children of Israel, the church of the day said, hey, David, calm down a little bit. Hush, man. What are you doing? You're going to get us killed. You're out of control. You're just a little boy. You don't know what you're talking about. And David said, what? What? <laughs> He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, this sinner that dares defile the armies of the living God? Is that right? Let me put that in Ware Shoals terms. 
this ain't going to be no problem. Right? This, this, uh, this hillbilly has no chance in beating the armies of the living God. That's right. Can you imagine that little boy looking back in the children of Israel saying, Have y'all forgot what God has done for us? That's right. Have you forgot Amen. that He promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us? Amen. Church, have you forgot that? Yeah, right. Have you forgot? Have we forgot? Have we forgot that God said that He, there's nothing impossible for Him, that He can do all things? That he has overcome the world? Have we really forgotten that? Let me ask you today. Have you forgotten that God healed you? Have you forgotten that God somehow miraculously paid for that bill that you owed? Have we forgotten, right, that God's done this and God's done that? Think about the things that God's done in your life. These giants are no problem. What I want you to see today is, is whatever the giant is, I don't care how big it is, how hard, how loud it, it, it screams at you, I got them too. They're screaming right and left. Had it screamed today at me, but let me tell you something. Here I stand, amen? Right? Here I stand. Here you sit. There's a reason you're here. It means you ain't give up. That's right. It's still, this is what, how Mark sees it. There's a lot of people do a lot of talking. But when you show up, come on now, at least you're here. If you show up, you got to believe there's hope. Amen? So if you're here today, i got to believe that you don't believe that it's over. Amen? If you weren't here, I'd say you say it's over. Amen? You with me? There's still hope in Jesus Christ. I don't care what this government says. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what anybody else says. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? And Him crucified raised from the dead, and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Jesus is still enough. Yeah, yeah. Amen? Amen? Austin French said it best. Amen. Jesus can. Amen. Amen? Amen? Right there on that shirt. You want to show him that shirt, babe? Turn around and show him that shirt. Jesus can. Amen. Amen? He's still enough. And you're here, and I'm here. And we're going to be victorious. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 25 and 26. And the men of Israel said, <laughs> Have you seen this man that has come up? Some of y'all right now in your mind when I said to you that you're going to defeat that giant, that you're stronger and better and greater because Jesus is greater than you. Be honest. Some of y'all in here said, y'all don't, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't understand the severity of what's going on in my life. Preacher, you may be wrestling with this or that, but you don't understand this is my whole world is going to turn upside down. I'm going to lose my, my son. I'm going to lose my daughter. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my husband. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose whatever it is you want to put in there. I would rather lose those things than to lose your soul. Amen? And one of the greater sins that any of us could ever commit is not committing. Amen? Come on now. Is that right? For the Bible says it this way, To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. Right? If I know that I'm supposed to commit, I'm supposed to engage, and I cower down and I choose not to engage... 
That's just as big of a sin as anything you can name. It's called disobedience to God. Remember, He raised you up and raised me up to win that battle. Amen? Amen? Listen to me. I'm going to say this with all the love in the world. And there shouldn't be no preachers listening to me. Y'all be preaching to your church. But if you are, this really disturbs me to no end. Right? When we talk about that the battle belongs to us, and you'll hear preacher after preacher, teacher after teacher say, well, if you don't do it, he'll just raise somebody else up to do it. Is that right? Now, I know God can do that, and I understand what we're saying there. But don't make no mistake about it. You were the one he chose to do it. I was the one he chose to do it. Let me remind you that this man, this young boy, David rather, was a son of a man named Jesse. And he had multiple sons. Is that right? Sons of valiant sons, sons warriors. Guys that looked the part that we would have all said, he's the man. But God said time after time as those boys were being brought in, good-looking young men, strong, strapping guys, right, that had victories under their belt. And Samuel would look at him and say, surely that's the guy. I mean, this dude right here looks like the man, right? I mean, he's it. He's all in a bag of chips. And God would say to him, that ain't him. That ain't him. That ain't him. Could you imagine, Samuel? What? I mean, really, God, God you, is your glasses fogged up? Right? Are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing? This is a warrior. And God said, I agree with you, but not for this job. Amen? It didn't mean they were less than David. They just weren't the one for that job. He rolled them in. Rolled them in. I think it's about eight of them. Right? Rolled them in there. And finally, Samuel looks at Jesse and says, is that all you got? And Jesse said, well, I got this little boy. <laughs> Surely that's not what you're talking about, right? He said, I got one more. But he's just a little boy. He hasn't been tried. He hasn't been, he's not ready yet. How many of y'all know we say that about our young people all the time? Well, they just ain't ready yet. Is that right? Young meaning 25 and under, 30 and under. Let's just say 30 and under. Oh, they're just not ready yet. They're not ready. They're not ready. They're only 9. They're only 10. They're only 15. You go with us to some of these events, and I'll assure you they're ready. Amen? Amen. They're ready. They just need some people to stand behind them and encourage them that they're ready. Come on, church. It ain't always what it looks to be. It's what's in the heart. So, yeah. God might raise up somebody else to, to fight your fight for you, but it ain't likely. He wants you to fight it. He wants you to win it. If somebody else steps in, they're just going to step in and they're going to cause the old boy to move out of the way momentarily, but he will be back. Make no mistake about it. The giant that's in your life, if God sends Pastor Keith down there and he, and he, and he says in the name of Jesus you must flee, guess what? He's going to flee because the Bible teaches us that. But he will be back. Because you're the one that's got to defeat him. Yeah. Amen? And until you defeat him, he's coming back. Yeah. Amen? He's going to keep coming back. So he said, The men of Israel said, Have you seen the man, this man? Surely to defy Israel 
he comes up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and make, make his father's house free in Israel. Speaking of, right, he's just telling them, right, if you defeat the giant, freedom's coming. Circle that whole verse. You don't need anything else. I should have started there. Right? He who defeats this man, he's going to be given all these riches, blessings, blessings. And the word, key word here is free. He's going to be free. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taken away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, as I said to you, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Fast forwarding for time's sake, verse 48 through 51. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted. He engaged. Look at your neighbor and say, Engage. engage. One more time. For goodness sakes, engage. Amen? One more thing. Pull the trigger. I used to tell my kids all the time when they were learning how to drive, I said, look, if you're in an intersection or wherever you're at or whatever it may be, and you decide you're in your mind thinking, I want to go, I want to sit still, I want to go, I want to sit still, and you find yourself starting to move, don't hesitate. Amen? If you hesitate, you're surely to die. Amen? You're going to get hurt. Hesitation is what causes things to go wrong. The worst thing we can do is be unsure of everything and never make a decision. There are a lot of people in the world today that tell you all the time, right, just, just don't do nothing, right? And here's what the church will say, and I know what we mean. Now, again, don't, don't y'all, don't leave me, right? We'll always say, pray about that thing, right? And you should pray about it. But at some point in time, you got to engage, right? Because the answer is going to keep coming back. It's the same answer I gave you last time. Amen? We should pray. We should seek. We should stand still. But at some point in time, you're going to have to engage. The church has become passive, right? We want to, we want to tell people, pray, right? Stand still. All these passive things... Right? That is the beginning of wisdom. Sit still, watch the salvation of God, listen as He tells you, but then engage. We leave out the engaging part. We just want to sit back and just pray about it, right? We'll tell people, well, let me pray about it. Again, good answer, but it can't be the same answer 30 times. Right? We're not engaging. You've got to pull the trigger at some point in time. It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to David that David hasted. He engaged and he ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. The key of this whole statement is he ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Come on now. He ran to the whole army. He was telling the whole army, here I come. Amen. Man, when we get up in the morning, you've heard me say this. I love what Rod Parsley said years ago. I'm not promoting Rod Parsley, but I love what he said. He said, when I get up in the morning, I want hell to go on red alert. Amen? Amen? Man, when David took off after, after the Philistine, after Goliath, he wanted to make sure that the entire Philistine army saw him. Yeah. Amen? When you and I face our giants and run towards our giants, 
We want the entire armies of hell to understand that we're going to defeat that one that's in front of us and any of them you got elsewise, it's going to see, you're going to sin in front of me. Amen? Amen? For my God is enough. Amen? My God is great. My God is powerful. My God, He has given me all I need to defeat you and everybody else that comes with you. Amen. Is that right? That's exactly what He was saying. Amen. See, you and I don't understand the strength that lies within us. David did. He ran toward the army to meet the giant. And David put his hand in his bag and took, took out these stones and he slang them and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into the forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. David reached down into his bag. He took out the stones our stone, and he slung it, and it smote the Philistine. Powerful lesson. Powerful. He just reached over and grabbed Jesus. That's all he did. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. Right? It's the same stone that David used to defeat the enemy. Jesus was the plan all along, Brother Ron. From the beginning of time until he returns. Jesus is the weapon of choice. Amen? Amen. He's the weapon of choice. Which is, this is why James said, right, that if we will say unto Satan, get thee hence from me, right, in Jesus' name, it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about anybody else's name you want to put there. Jesus. At the name of Jesus, all of heaven and earth bows. At the name of Jesus, Every demon trembles. At the name of Jesus, Satan was defeated and still is. Amen? So at the name of Jesus, your giant will flee or die. <laughs> Amen? Your choice, his choice. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him but there was no sword in his hand. I love this about David. See, it's one thing. It's one thing to show up and be present. As I said, it just shows you don't think it's over. It's one thing to be prepared. You need to be prepared because your enemy's prepared. It's a whole nother thing, right, to engage and to make sure that you are moving toward your target. But it's a whole other thing to finish what you started. So many of us start well. We show up. We say the right things. We put on the whole armor of God. Right? We engage. But then somewhere in there, we stop. We don't finish the job. Is that right? See, this is why the Bible says that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. If you don't get it all out of there, it's going to rise up again. Somebody once said to me, Mark, God was brutal in the Old Testament. I mean, He was bloody. He was gory. I mean, He was rough. He wiped out entire nations. He commanded His kings to leave no man standing when He would defeat a particular army. Do you know why he did that? Because if you leave one, this is why Saul lost his kingdom. 
If you leave one, one person of that group of people, let's say the Philistines, if you didn't wipe all of them out and you left one, that one could indoctrinate some of your people and begin to rise up again. You're going to have to deal with that giant again. Sounds pretty familiar, does it not? We get up here, we're sincere, we prepare, we seek God, we ask God to help us defeat the giant, right? And we're on well on our way. And then we find ourselves not finishing the race, not completing the task, not following it all the way through, right? We give up. Two or three weeks later, we're right back where we were. Same giant standing in front of us, only stronger. Amen? Because he now knows that you can be defeated. You've shown him your weakness. Is that right? Get stronger every time because we fail to finish it. David hit him in the head with a stone and a lot of people say the stone's what killed him. That is not what the Bible says. Let's read that again. I'm going to hurry. Verse 48, it came to pass when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to David that David hasted and ran toward him. And David put his hand in the bag, took, them, took out a stone, slang it, smote the Philistine in the forehead that the stone sunk in his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in his hand for David. He knocked him down. He's on the ground. Listen to me. If you get nothing else out of this message today, don't you let that ugly giant back up. Amen. Amen. If you've knocked him to the ground, if God has knocked him to the ground and you have followed the plan of God and you got him on the mat, see, that's where Apollo Creed went wrong. I'd have went ghetto on Rocky. He wouldn't have got up off the mat. It'd have been MMA in the 70s. When that thing came out, there was no MMA that I know of. I'd have been beating on Apollo Creed. He never would have got up. Is that right? If you got him down, pound him. Amen? Step on his head. Finish the job. Amen? You with me? David ran over. He had no sword. So he picks up Goliath, takes Goliath's own sword out of his sheath. Now this is a sword. Now this is a little boy. How in the world did he have the strength to pick that sword up? It probably weighed more than he did. He had no strength to pick it up. The Holy Ghost, the power of God, the strength of God, right? In God, all things are possible. Is that right? Not by my might, but by His might. Amen? David grabbed that sword, picked that thing up, cut his head off, and then turned around and showed it to the rest of them and said, you're next. Amen? Huh? Come on now. Y'all with me? The giant that's in your life, if you got him on the mat, don't let him up. Finish it. Key here is, he used the sword. Amen? He used the sword. The greatest weapon in your arsenal is the sword of truth. The Word of God. Amen? Stand in front of your giant. Amen? And defy him and say to him, wield your sword and say to him, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are defeated. Amen. Amen? And then let it ride. Amen? Cut that head off. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than a what? Two-edged sword. 
All we got to do is wield it. For all of us that went to wear shoals, sling that thing. Amen? Is that right? <laughs> they ought to have a wear shoals version. <laughs> sling it. Is that right? I love what, what, what Celebrate Recovery says. Well, broken chains. We're going to sling some hope. Is that right? Hope is Jesus. The Word is Jesus. The sword is Jesus. Sling it. Amen? In the name of Jesus. Finish the job. Amen? If you've come this far, finish it. And the giant will have to flee. How do we defeat those giants in closing? We need to do nothing but look back at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 to find that out very quickly. Be strong is the first thing that God said unto Joshua. Be strong, son. Be strong. Stand strong because you're strong in God. Be courageous. Do not fear. Don't stand there shaking in your shoes. Don't be like the old tin man. Poor fellow shaking so bad you can hear him clanging. God said, be strong, be courageous, do not fear. Do not be discouraged. Just know that God is with us. That's all Joshua 1 and 9 says. Be strong, be courageous, don't fear, don't be discouraged. And know that God is with you. And if God's with you, all things are possible. 1 John 5, 4 through 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, trust, belief in the Word, in Christ, in past victories, past conquerors. Verse 5 said, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who's the, who's the conqueror? If you're here today and you're a conqueror, it means you, you believe in the Son of God. You've got Christ in you. You have accepted Him, and because you have accepted Him, you are equipped. Amen? You're equipped. Seriously. All kidding aside, if you're here today, and you're truly, truly saved, I mean, you didn't go through the motions. You truly repented and asked God to forgive you of your sins. If you have done that, you are equipped. You're ready as you're ever going to be. You ever heard people say, well, preacher, I'm just not ready yet. I have heard that time after time after time. Can you come over and pray for my son? Well, why don't you pray for him yourself? I'm not ready. Now I'm going to come pray too because I love you, son. Don't get me wrong. Please call me. I want to come pray with you. But my question is that. Have you prayed for them? Same God's in you as in me. Is that right? Same power. I'm just not ready yet, preacher. Can you come pray for my house? I just believe there's something evil about it. Have you prayed for your house? I'm not ready. Can you come up to the hospital? My loved one is sick and needs healing awful bad. Same question. Have you prayed for him? I've had people say they're not ready. 
My prayer is just not, I don't think my prayer is as strong as your prayer. <laughs> it ain't never been about the words that anybody says. It's not about how great of an orator you are. The power comes from the passion in your heart. Amen? That's where it comes from. The power to overcome the enemy comes from the same place. The passion in your heart. Jesus is the passion. He is it. This is why the Bible says to stir up the gift of God that is within you. That's the power. Amen? How do you stir it? With passion. With passion. With fire. Right? With conviction. With, with compassion. With hunger. Right? And with, with sincerity. Have you ever heard a mother pray for a child that is dying? Have you ever heard that prayer? That's how you pray. Hmm? That mama is praying with all of her heart, with all of her soul. In fact, willing to give her heart and her soul for the life of her child. If you've ever experienced that prayer, it, will, it is gut-wrenching. It is hard to listen to. But it is so powerful. That's what moves the heart of your God and my God. It's not a haphazard prayer. It's from the depths of your soul. That God, if you don't move, I'm surely going to die. David knew within his little mind the size of the giant. And he knew the size that he was. But he also had experienced the size of his God. And his prayer that day had to be the prayer I'm talking about. God, if you don't move, not only am I going to lose my life, but all of your children that are on this mountainside. You want to talk about pressure? You want to talk about feeling the weight of an entire group of people? David, little boy, said to be somewhere around 10 years old, standing there with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And his prayer was, God, do it again. Amen? Do it again. Do it again, God. Listen to me, warrior. That's our prayer. Do it again, God. If you can't say nothing else, from the depth of your heart, do it again, God. Amen? God, if you don't do it now, death is imminent. My home will be destroyed. My children will be lost forever. Right? My life, my children's life will be lost for whatever it may be. Do it again, God. Do it again. Pray that way. And I assure you, if you're willing and you'll engage, your God will do great things. Amen? And the giant that has been haunting you will have no other thing possibly it could do but leave. Preacher, what if it don't? Kill it.
Amen? Kill it. How do you do that? Pray. Amen? Don't you let up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking God. Don't stop, right, asking God to move it. This is why the Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing. You with me? This has been mistaken for many, many years. This don't just mean to repeatedly say something over and over and over. God's not, he's not deaf and he's not ignorant. What it means is, if that giant's still standing there, keep praying. Pray harder. Pray harder. The closer he gets, the harder our prayer should be. And eventually, we'll get our hearts in the right place and that prayer will be passionate and sincere and God will move. You got to want it though. You got to really, really want it. Sometimes until we're put in that situation, we don't really know what we will do. Some of us in here are facing some real giants. Some of you I know that because I've talked to you. Some of you I don't know that, but we're all human. There's some pretty big giants in some lives here today that some of you have no idea about. This church facing some pretty big giants right now that I'm sure a lot of y'all have no idea. Pray without ceasing. Amen? Engage. And God will do great things. I want to pray with you today. Thanks for listening to me today. I pray this is a blessing.